Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to have you stand this morning, um, and, and obviously we've had a bit of a service today, and I wanted to spend more of today focusing on, on uh, all the good things that we've experienced thus far. Wonderful worship service. Thank you, Sister Victoria, for a phenomenal worship service. Excellent. So I'm not going to keep you very long today, um, but I just want to share a few thoughts with you. And uh, we've had a wonderful year, have we not? God has blessed us mightily. I've seen wonderful things, had heard wonderful testimonies. We've had our challenges. We've had our ups and downs and our, our, our so, so to speak, our, our toes stubbed here and there and all those things that happen through the course of life. But again and again and again, as I've interacted with you and spoken with many of you personally, met with you, sat down to meals with you, I've heard great testimony. I hear encouragement. I hear the sound of faith rolling through our church. And I know that great things are coming for 2020 this year. And so th- today I just wanted to share, I just titled the message 2020 Vision. Ha ha. Uh, you probably haven't heard that yet at all. It's best I could do. But I just want to share a few thoughts with you today and talk a little bit about what we're looking at. Now we're, we're just getting ready to wrap up not only a new year, or excuse me, a year, but a decade. Can anybody believe that it's 20 years into the new millennia? 20 years. It seemed, like, it seemed like just yesterday people were filling up gallons of milk jugs of water and putting them in their basement. I had a friend that did that. And they were, remember, remember, 2000, they, oh boy, the computers were going to shut down because the digit didn't work or whatever the thing was, right? That was 20 years ago. Life goes so fast. The young people are like, wow, I wasn't even alive then. How many of you were alive in 2000 when it turned over? Four. Now I feel old. So I just want to share a few thoughts for you this, for, for today and send you off with some encouragement and, and some thoughts regarding where we've come from and where we've been. In just about a week or so, um, I'm going to be celebrating my four-month anniversary. I didn't, that, that really wasn't meant to solicit a, an applause. Um, but I want to plan a thought just on that point. Four months versus four decades. It's a little bit less, okay? And I just want to plant that thought with you for just a moment. Four months is just a little bit less than four decades. But I'm, I'm very, very proud of where we've come thus far because this transitional process that we went through in 2019, and it consumed all of 2019, and, uh, of course, transition in September, uh, it, it's, it's very difficult. It, it's something that brings, it elicits fear, and it elicits change and, 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 and all these different things that happen within you. I understand we have a fantastic pastor who will be back with us very shortly, by the way. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Brother Kylie and I meet uh, once or twice a week. We've been actually working out together. Doesn't show, Brother Cordell. Just, I'm working on it. I'm, I am. But twice a week we're working out together and meeting and sharing Lots of great things, and so, and, and so he'll be back. And I realized this was a, this was a challenge, and, and we knew that was coming, and we knew that would be part of the process to deal with a, a, a phenomenal pastor, a, a shepherd's heart pastor who served at this church and built this over 40 years. How do you, how do you possibly assuage the challenges and the fears that are going to come through that process, right? And so we've... we've tackled that and we've handled that and sometimes not so great and sometimes pretty awesome and for those that have called me down uh, and said hey can I talk to you in your office and they came and they sat down and they shared their heart and they shared their support and all those things I'm so thankful for that and and for those who were honest in their concerns and shared those with me I'm thankful for those as well but I want to plant three letters in your mind today just three letters and I'll explain what I mean so I want you to think of these three letters N M W. Everybody say it with me. N M W. And that stands for not my will. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew what he was about to face. He understood what his what his fate was about to be, if you will. And if you remember, he was completely human in that flesh. 
He had fears. He had concerns. He was in every way just like you, but without sin. That was the only difference. But when it came right down to it, and, and we don't know everything that he said. We don't know everything that was recorded. Maybe he said, Dad, is there any way can we do something else? I don't know. But at the end of the day, at the end of the time of his prayer, he simply looked to heaven and he said, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he gave that over. And so what I'm asking you, for the sake of the direction and the vision that God has given this church and the direction that I know that he's taking this church, for that sake and the awesome things that are prepared to come for this church, I'm asking you today to take on that moniker, take on that idea, absorb that. I know that this change has been difficult and challenging. And 2019, was, it was all over the place. And we've, like I said, we've had some wonderful things. Our leadership rally just a few weeks ago, and I'll reference that in a moment, was fantastic. Our leaders that have stepped up and, are, and are, they're holding tight to their ministries and they've got vision and they're, and they're working with their teams and they're, they're seeing the impact that we're going to have on this community and the things that this enormous resource can really do besides be a place to sit and listen to, to this guy. They understand that. We have a tremendous resource here, and we're going to use it. It's going to become a beacon for this community. It's going to become something more than just a gathering place. It is going to be the hub of activity that is going to give you the opportunity to reach out to that coworker or that person that you know, that neighbor, that's that, that person that you've had a heart for for so long. It's going to become a hub of activity and opportunity for you to reach out to that person and say, hey, I've got something going on that you've never experienced before in your life. I've got something that can address that issue that you're dealing with, Mr. Neighbor. And you can bring them here, and you can proudly bring them here, knowing that there's an opportunity that Jesus is going to reach into their hearts and make a difference. I promise you that's here. If you absorb this concept, NMW, not my will. Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. It's about sacrifice. I know 2019 has been tough in that area for some. I know it's been a challenge. I know, I'm just going to tell you this. I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to tell you this. As I prepared in morning prayer this morning and pre-service prayer as well, God has instructed me to humble myself before you and open my heart to you, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But there is a vision for this church, and change is difficult. And I know that some and I understand and I hold no hard feelings, but I know that some still just see me as an employee of the church who's filling a role. That's okay. I totally understand. There are some of you that have voiced it out loud. I can't see that guy as my pastor. That's okay. That's all right. That's part of the process. But what I'm asking you today is this. Look beyond this person. Look beyond this man. And look at the will of God. I know that it's tough. Some people were concerned about their position and concerned about the opportunity that they're going to have in, in terms of continuing in a, in a service in the ministry here. And, and some were concerned if I was going to run this thing off the rails and, and, and uh, who knows what else. I understand all of that and that's to be expected and it's absolutely fine. I know those fears and those challenges but when it comes to the way change works with people, I think, it's, I think you can all understand the way it works with change with us is we tend to sort of get a little bit self-focused on that. This is the way I think it should be done. Well, I think Cordell should do it this way. Well, I think he shouldn't do that. I don't think it should operate that way. I think I should. I believe this is the way I want to see. That's very natural in the human experience. But see, we weren't designed to be exclusively in the human experience. That is not what we are here for. See, uniquely in this world, amongst millions that we're surrounded with, we have a dichotomy that exists within us, and that is a spirit self, the Holy Ghost that's within you, and the flesh self, okay? And so during the course of change and during the course of transition, we knew that that battle would wage back and forth with people, and it would be a struggle, and sometimes we'd lose that battle, and sometimes we'd win that battle, and that's okay. I was prepared for that. 
I was told that would be the case. Is it easy? No. But do you think that when Jesus was, no, I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. Okay, hold on. But do you think that when Jesus stood there in the courtyard as they were lashing him with a cat of nine tails, do you think it didn't hurt? Well, of course it did. But he knew what his purpose was. He understood. When, when they, were, they were spitting at him and mocking him and calling him names and making fun of him and doing all those horrible things, remember, he was just like you in the flesh except for one thing. He was without sin. Doesn't it make sense that when they were mocking him and spitting on him and making fun of him that it probably hurt, right? Of course it did. But he knew his purpose because he was the one just a few hours before who said, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And so I would ask you today, if you would consider, after all the change and challenge, as we roll into 2020, for the sake of the soul that you want to see saved, for the sake of the unsaved person that you know, that neighbor, that coworker, that uncle, aunt, cousin, for their sake, let's adopt that NMW. Not my will, Lord, but thine be done. Takes a lot of trust, right? Takes a lot of faith, not in me, but faith in what God is doing, right? And I promise you and I commit to you that every single day in my time of prayer, I give this to God. God, your will be done. It's, it's, it's a constant in my life. Every single day, I promise you, that is what I tell the Lord first and foremost. Because I want to live and execute his will for this situation. It is he that is going to bring that revival. It's he that's going to reach into the heart of that person that you bring here as a guest and embrace them and, 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 and just hit them where they need to be. It's he that's going to draw them to this place of repentance, this awesome worship that we have. It's he that's going to do the work. Brother Rob, you mentioned it this morning, the foolishness of preaching to save, right? That's all we're here for is to execute God's will. So my vision ahead for this upcoming year, and we've got a lot of accomplishments, by the way, and, and I, I've, I've actually detailed them. I was, it was, it was uh, suggested to me to keep a log of things, sort of a diary, so to speak. And, and I'm probably going to share this with you all in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a newsletter format, but I actually have four pages of things that I've written, not that I've accomplished, Remember, this isn't about me, but what we've done in building this structure and seeking God's will and establishing this leadership core that we have and the directors that we have and then put them, set them sail to let God work on their vision and what they have for this place and what they have for their ministries. And one by one, the accomplishments began to come and the achievements began to come and things that are meaningful and real, things that will make an impact. It's all part of that picture. And so I've got dozens and dozens of things logged that you as leaders have been able to accomplish. You as leaders have been able to, to reach out and say, hey, Pastor Cordell, this is something I feel God's got for us in this ministry. Yes, let's go. Let's do it. One after another after another has come. And I won't get into all the details. I'm not going to read them off to you. But you'll be able to see it in, in a newsletter format. And if you're really sleepy some night or really uh, full of insomnia some night and want to read through the whole thing, it'll put you out. But you can see, we haven't sat idle. We haven't just come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays. We haven't just mailed it in every day. We're working every single day. Every single day we're working and seeking, God, what have you got for us today? What's the accomplishment today? What is it that we can do to move a little bit closer to what you've got for us? What is it that we're missing, God? What is it that we can do better? Always seeking, what can we do to raise the bar? What does excellence look like in our ministries? That was the whole theme of our leader rally this year. And it was exciting to see our leader teams get together and they all broke out into sessions and, and, and they just started to brainstorm and think and, and, and wonderful, amazing things that I would have never thought of came from the hearts and the mouths of the people in our leadership teams. And it was incredible. And I stood in awe as, as they, they stood up and began to tell us these amazing insights and visions that God had given them for the ministries. Those things are yet to come. They're yet to come. And it's going to be very exciting. So for this vision ahead, I'd like to be the focus of our next year for 2020 
From unity to outreach. From unity to outreach. Brother Rob, you preached about it this morning. Uh, Sister Miranda, actually, you preached half my message. <laughs> God, God and I had, we were in sync today because you preached from Jude, and I've got scriptures from Jude, and you were talking about the unity aspect. If you guys aren't making 10, 10, 10, again, I'm going to keep going back to this point all the time. You need to be here. This is something so important. Brother Rob mentioned it this morning. I completely agree with him. The opportunity to come here and join together with, with the saints together and be a part of that ministry and that prayer and that unity is going to be so critically important. We cannot be laissez-faire about our walk with God anymore. Look at what the world's doing. Look at how it's tearing itself apart. Look at the things that are happening. Wait till the election next November. Good Lord Almighty, lock up your cars and board up your windows. But we have an opportunity to gather together. We have the freedoms right now. We have this awesome facility and the freedoms to get up out of our beds in the morning and go where we want to go and be in the presence of God. And it's our opportunity to do that. Amen. And so I encourage you as a beginning step in that unity process to get together. Unity is being together as one. We know how to be together on the same page, not separately doing our operations and doing all those things. That's all fine, but it'll only get you so far. Not your will, but his be done is what I'm trying to say. If your will is to say, well, I just don't do that. I, I, just, I just don't... Brother Cordell, I just don't get up that early on Sunday morning, but I'll be there for service. I'll praise and I'll worship. That's your will. That's not God's will. You know how I know? Because God moved on greater men than me and greater women than me in this church a long time ago and said, this is when you establish these services and this is the way that you should conduct yourselves and you should have conjoined prayer and get people together and have these times of prayer together. That's his will, not mine. I'm encouraging you to be about that unity in that prayer. From unity to outreach, what do I mean by that? It's simply this. Over this last year, year and a half or so, I was given the opportunity to express that vision that God gave me to build a structure within the church. That Exodus chapter 18 when Jethro went to Moses and he said, listen, if you don't get some structure in here, if you don't get some leaders in here that can help you take these loads off, not only are you going to destroy yourself, you're going to destroy the people with you. And you need that structure. And God spoke into my life and said, you've got to build this thing because you can't do it by yourself. And I want to tell you, I've got some awesome leaders that have stepped up into those department pastor positions. Brother Rob in our sanctuary pastor, Brother Mike in our impact ministries, Brother Mike Kiley in our outreach ministries, Brother and Sister Matucci in student ministries, and so on. Working hard. And you know what they're doing? Not their will. But the will of God as he's directing them. And I'm watching it happen every day. I'm watching these guys move and operate in the will of God that they feel he is moving and pushing them and, and giving them vision for. I see it happen every day. If you're not excited about that, get a hold of these folks. Talk to them. Ask them what, ask them what God's got in their heart. What's happening? What's coming up for our church? Does anybody ask that question? Does anybody ever ask what's happening? What's coming up? What does 2020 look like for abundant life? Ask. Find out. You want to be enthused and excited about church? You want to know that this is a place that you can bring a visitor and something awesome is going to happen? Start to talk to the people that are working and actively giving and seeking God's will in their ministries every single week because they're doing an awesome job. You directors that have stepped up and are leading ministries for those pastors, I'm so proud of you, so thankful for the people out there working hard, doing, seeking God's will, trying to find ways to reach people, bring them in. That's what this is about. That's God's will. Not your will, not my will. So we built that structure. We set that up because we, we got to create this net wherever they come, wherever they fall. If they've got kids, if they're seniors, if they're middle aged, if they're old, if they're younger, whatever the case is, we got to have a place for them. We got to have something that's going to catch them when they get here, right? And we can't watch them come in and go out the back door. So we had to seal that thing up. We had to make sure that there's a discipleship track, that there's a way to get them in. We've got people in Joel Myers Bible studies that are now moving into the foundations class and so on and so on. They'll be in the men's ministry and the ladies' ministry. We're looking in 2020 to ignite the Elizabeth Project. If you don't know what that is, it's just like the Jonathan Project, but it's for our ladies' leaders. It's for the women who feel called to God to minister and to do more in the kingdom. We want those Elizabeth women to step up. This may shock you, but on the list this year for nominees at the trustee, or excuse me, at the annual business meeting, there may possibly be a female name for the trustee board as a nominee on that list.
God is working amongst the women in our church and raising up leaders in them as well. It's a different time. It's a different era. That's all there is to it. The culture has changed. The world has changed. God has not changed, but he is opening doors that perhaps we have not had open before. Never mistake that. Amen. The structure is there. It's still forming. We still have places that we need help with. Folks, whatever age you are, whatever place you are in the church, and, and I know some people have voiced it. I've talked to, the, to our, uh, some of our groups. I know that there's been the feeling that some people have felt a little left out. Well, Brother Cordell didn't come chase me down and ask me to do something. No, and a lot of the people that have stepped up, I didn't chase them down and ask them either. They're the ones that stepped up and said, you know what, God's working on my heart. I feel there's something I can do. What can I do, Brother Cordell? Who can I talk to about something that I feel God's got for me to do? I'm putting the challenge, not your will. Not your will, but God's be done. Can I just say this? It's not my job to chase you down. Okay, I'm, it's not my job to chase you down and beg and plead you to do something. If God moves on my heart and sends me to you and says, hey, I just really feel God's got something for you. Did you feel it too? I'm still gonna wait for you to acknowledge and say, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna pray about that because I think God is doing something. I think God is calling me and speaking to me. That's what I'm gonna wait for. So if there's been a misconception that people that are in leadership right now, that they were, they were personally entertained, like we took them out to dinner and we, we dined them and sodded them and, 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 and asked them and entertained them into a leadership position, that did not happen. They were the people that had a heart to serve and they wanted God's will to be done. And they stepped up and said, I want to do it. Is that, is that fair? Is that okay? There's roughly between families and, and, and a few that are a little more infrequent and the kids and youth and so forth. There's over 200 people for one man to pastor. I'm one man to 200. But I've got five department pastors and about 35 directors who stepped up and said, Pastor, we want to support you. We, we believe in the vision that you've cast. We believe that you're speaking what God has asked you to do, and we want to be a part of that. And so I encourage you today that if there's been something in there, if there's a little something that's tingled or tickled, and, and, and God's working on you, and he, he keeps bringing something to your mind and to your memory, reach out, speak out. I'm going to talk about offenses in just a moment, and I'll get to what I'm saying about that, because if somebody in this place has been offended by the way that we begin to structure this thing, I'm telling you right now, it's the enemy working. And we've got to stop that. Within the church, we've built this structure inside. This is what's happening inside. Now, we have our, our Wednesday night Bible study. as part of the discipleship track. Then our foundations class, Brother and Sister Barningham are teaching and have been doing that for years. We used to call it New Believers. We have the Jonathan Project led by Brother Marty doing a fantastic job. If you're a graduate of the Jonathan Project, raise your hand real high. Every single one of these folks that you see in here that have been part of the Jonathan Project, I know that they would attest to you that it has been a life-changing event to be a part of that group. I pers personally conducted part of it when we first launched it, and it was incredible to see the number of guys. We talked just one night. We talked on the subject of spiritual gifts. I'm talking about the nine spiritual gifts, word of wisdom, word of faith, gift of healing, etc., and we were astonished, we were shocked to find out that nearly every man in that room at some point or another during the course of their time in the church and serving God was used in an element of the gifts of the Spirit. And we had no idea. We had no idea. And yet we have a powerful, powerful group of men in this church. And women, by the way. Like I said, we want to get into the Elizabeth Project. We want to go through the same process. But I'm telling you, the gifts are working. The gifts are there. We simply just need to encourage, not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to step out, God. And if you ask me to do it, I'm going to do it. If you're going to give me the gifts of the Spirit, I'm going to do it. Not my will, but yours be done, God. Brother Kylie kicked off a class he called the Joshua Men. Many of you were involved in that as well. He's going to continue to do that, by the way. I just spoke to him yesterday, as a matter of fact. And, uh, and he's going to bring that back. Another excellent training course, an opportunity to sit down with your bishop and, and talk one-on-one -on -one and have conversations and discussions and build and grow and learn and, do, and learn to do more and seek God's will in your life. And he's going to continue to uh, carry that class through. 
But here's what we're looking at coming up on our Wednesday nights. I want to reiterate a vision I cast a while ago here, over a year ago, and that is our Wednesday community nights. It is my strong belief, it is what I believe that God has put on my heart, that one of the ways that we are going to be able to get to people is to be able to minister directly to the needs of the people that are suffering around us. And make no mistake, they're suffering. It may be because of financial problems, it may be because of a death in the family, they're dealing with a health issue, or a thousand other things. But if they live out there, think about this for just one second. If they live out there, and they don't know anything about the life that we know that happens in here, imagine the life they're living right now. Can anyone imagine living a life without God? Trying to make it through this world, the struggles and the things that you face already and the challenges and the things that you deal with on a regular basis and imagine dealing with it without any Holy Ghost, without God in your life. I can't can't even begin to fathom what that must be like. So the thought process was, and what God had impressed on me, is that people have needs that are specific to where they are. I don't know that it's enough anymore in this selfish world that we're surrounded with, in the culture that we live with, just to say, hey, we built a church, the doors are open, come on in. Or, hey, I have church on Wednesday nights, come on in. For some, yes, God will call them, God will speak to them. But what about those ones? What about those ones that are so tough? It's difficult. And those of you that struggle sometimes, I, don't, I feel funny inviting people to church. I'm not very good at that. I struggle with that idea. I'm afraid they're going to come in and see how we worship and run out. Or whatever the fears that you deal with. Okay, if you can't get them here on a Sunday morning, how about a Wednesday night breakout session? A session that was designed to speak directly to the needs that they have. Maybe they're a cancer survivor, Brother Steve, and you want to minister to them on a Wednesday night because you know what you're dealing with and what that challenge is. And you can say to your coworker, hey, we've got this great, we have a great group at our church on Wednesday nights for people that are dealing with cancer surviving. Would you like to come? How hard would that be? How difficult would that be for you to say that to a neighbor, a coworker, or even a family member? But if we can get to them where they are, we can love them where they're at, we can get them here and get them in the presence of God. Amen? All right, it's getting a little quiet in here. Have I lost anybody? We're going to go to a fifth Wednesday night youth night in 2020. Our, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but this group of young people is on fire. They're the future of our church. They are going to be the spark, and they are the spark that is beginning to raise the bar. And people are saying, look at these young people and look at what they're doing. You know what they face out there? You know what they deal with every day in their schools and in their lives? Think about what you dealt with 20, 30, 40 years ago and multiply it 10,000 times. Surrounded and buried with evil and just nastiness and, and, and just the incredible garbage that the enemy throws at them every single day. And yet here they are, testifying about the amazing things that God has done in their lives at a winter youth convention, at a national youth congress, praising God, worshiping his name, lifting up their hands. Nobody told them to get up here at this altar and begin to pray, but they stood up because they recognized it was an opportunity to worship because they know who they are. They know what they've got inside them. They know that they're powerful in this world, that they're a cut above, that they're princes and royalty in God's kingdom. And they're going to be the, continue to be the spark that fires the, re, the, the revival that we're going to see here. Wait till your guests come in. Some of them never seen anything like that. They're used to the young people they see out there hanging around at the fast food restaurants and, and the ones that are getting in trouble and, and, and all these bad things you hear on the news. That's what people know of, of a lot of young people. There's a division out there right now. People abhor young people because of just the, the, just the rampant immorality and the things that they face. Not these young people. When your guest comes in here and they've never seen anything like that before and these young people stand up and they're worshiping and they're praising God, don't you think that's not going to make a powerful impact on that guest? Powerful. Continue to support them. Wednesday nights, fifth Wednesday of of every quarter, they're going to lead our ministry. They're going to teach. They're going to minister. They're going to sing. They're going to be opening the doors. They're going to do every aspect of everything that we're doing. Why? Why do I want to do that? 
I want to do it because I want them to have a prominent place in the ministry of this church. I want them to learn what it's like to minister to people and be made important and know that they are important in the kingdom of God and become ministers themselves. I want them to experience every aspect of that because guess what? They're the next generation coming up. They are the church sitting right there. And we've got to encourage them and support them in that. And I'm so much looking forward to that. Our community nights will consist of what we are going to call our strong tower life groups. Obviously, that comes from the scripture in Psalms. They can run into a strong tower and be safe. That's the message that we're going to send. And I mentioned things like grief counseling. Sister Kylie and Sister Cassins have been studying and, and uh, learning and attending classes on grief counseling. And I'm sure that is a very diversified level of grief counseling. Anything that someone's dealing with, whatever that pain is, whatever that attachment is, that grief counseling, they are becoming experts in that area and will be able to minister to people here on a Wednesday night. You can invite them to that. How about our blended families group, people that are struggling and dealing with divorce and marriage and children. I mentioned earlier, possibly a cancer survivor's class and so on and so on, whatever God puts on the hearts of the people here. And then thirdly, the third layer, another opportunity, something that we can do to begin to to build groups and build friendships and make connections out there is what we'll call our connect groups. These are going to be God-centered fellowship-style groups. You can set them. You can be a part of them. You don't have to be a part of them. You can start one, whatever the case may be, but we're going to establish these connect groups. It's a third layer. If you can't get them to church on Sunday and you struggle getting them here on Wednesday because I'm still not sure how to do that, but hey, look, I can get together and have a common theme social group that I can get these folks together with and play basketball or go shopping or do whatever it is. That's that third layer. It's the most harmless thing. Hey, we've got this fun group that gets together and plays cards every Thursday. Why don't you become a part of that? Get those folks connected. Show them what God is. Let them see God through you. Hey, by the way, we've got service on Sunday. We've got this wonderful Christmas program, whatever the case is. Do you understand? It's our mission, it's our purpose, it's why we exist, not our will but his be done. And then finally, the steps that I will be personally leading. And incidentally, I hope many of you that have worked in leadership already and understand this and and are already involved and have seen me operate, I have no intention of moving in on anybody's ministry. I don't, I don't get into that. It's not my purpose. My purpose is to support what you do. Don't expect pastor to come in and lead your class. Don't expect pastor to come in and take over. I'm just not, that's just not the way that I operate. I didn't operate that in the secular world when I managed for, for 15 years. My job is to get you the things that you need to be successful and get out of your way. My job is to minister the gospel. My job is to do the work that I'm supposed to do that's right here and get out and see if I can get a few folks together myself. And so my leaders will be supported. They will be prayed for. They will be encouraged. They will be given an opportunity of resource, whatever I can do to support that, but I'm not going to take it over. But I will do this. I'm doing it now, and I'm going to continue to do that, and that is to make connections outside these walls. And you're going to hear that phrase from me over and over again in 2020. We've got to get outside these walls. Sometimes I believe this, this wonderful, awesome building that we have can just get a little bit too tight. You ever hear the phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? If we get to be idle, if we just sit, and if all we're doing is just eating meal after meal after meal, and we're not getting out there, getting our calories burnt, and getting our exercises going, we're going to start looking at one another. We're going to get bored. We're going to start looking to the left and looking to the right and starting to hit nitpick and have problems, and that's when things start happening in little groups. We're going to kill that. We're not going to let the enemy in to do that because that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants us to sit here idle and begin to look at one another and say, well, I can't, why did Cordell wear that suit jacket today? That doesn't match his pants. I'm going to another church. But I'm going to continue to make connections out there. I want to meet with the, with the principals of the schools in the area. I want to, because we're going to open up this back end of the church here, this massive big gymnasium here that sits vacant and dormant most of the time. Well, guess what? It's going to become a community resource. And I'm going to get a hold of these schools. And I'm going to say, look, if you want a place for your young people to come that's safe and positive and good, yes, amen. So we're looking for a student ministry activities director, I believe, Pastor Matucci, correct? Brother uh, Mitchell 
if he's here, I know he must not be here today, uh, is actually talking about starting up youth camps. Brother Justin Mitchell doing youth basketball camps and opening it up to the community. I'm going to be actively involved in getting the name of Abundant Life out there and opening these doors. This is no longer going to be that big gray office building down on 18, which, by the way, many people have told me they thought this was for a long time. We're going to become known in the community. Things that we can do to help out the community, activities that we can get involved in. Yes, did we close the food pantry a while ago? Yes, there was a collective vote by the leadership in this church because of certain problems that we had. There were other things that had gone on that made it very challenging to conduct that thing successfully. But I want you to understand, it was never the intention to kill that process totally. As a matter of fact, I got together with the leadership, Brother Zelensky and some of the other leadership, and specifically said, we need to begin to pray. What can we do in a format like the food pantry that's very similar to that, but is effectively getting people into the kingdom. That next step that we can take with it, because we're not done yet. God's will, Brother Zelensky, right? God's will. There you go. Not our will. Well, we wanted it that way. We thought it should operate this way, and we should go eternally, whether no one ever comes to church or not. That's not God's will. That's our will. One of the things that we've bantered about, and we haven't said it yet, but I do think it's a great possibility, is take a fifth Sunday and do a community breakfast. We have a file cabinet sitting back in the food pantry room that's this tall. I don't know how many drawers deep, hundreds of names of people that came to this church looking for help, looking for food, looking for things and had needs that we had an opportunity to pray with and talk to and minister to. We did those things. Brother Zelinsky and the other team members that were there and when I was here in Abel, what could we do to reach out to those people? So we thought about the idea of a fifth, fifth Sunday community breakfast. Invite those people in. Make them some eggs and some, some pancakes and give them a devotional while they're having a great breakfast. And maybe, just maybe, they'll take a few steps down the hallway on an invitation and come into service. But that's got to be God's will. God's will. Not mine, not yours, but God's will be done. But it's our job to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ, to seek and to save that which is lost. And I'll not stand by and hold this post for however how long God has me in it and not actively try to find ways to take this beautiful, enormous, terrific, wonderful resource that we've been given. You know how many pastors would die to have a facility like this? We gotta use it. We gotta use it for the right things. Finally, I'm wrapping up. My last section here is called What the Devil Wants. And I spoke a little bit like this at our leadership retreat, uh, leadership rally, excuse me. But I know what the devil wants in this situation. I know what he wants. Maybe you do too. The enemy wants for our communication to be broken. He wants us to fracture off into small groups. He wants us to establish agendas that operate on our will. And then he wants us to rationalize that it's the right thing to do because I've been in church a long time and I know the right thing to do. I read the Bible and pray every day, so I know the right thing to do. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to rationalize that. He wants to create a disunity through communication that is broken, that is improper. But I want to tell you that our job, our job moving forward is to stay interconnected with one another. Constant forms of communication every chance we get. If we have islands that begin to drift off and they're doing things according to their will, they're breaking the NMW process. That principle that we're going to lay down for 2020. Not my will, Brother Cordell, but God's be done. Is it God's will that we fracture up into small groups and have 14 or 15 different little churches inside Abundant Life? Probably not. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to go to some little segregated group. But see, the more that we unify, the more that we get together, and the more that we understand the vision that God has laid in the leadership of this church, the more that we can unify. And when the enemy says, hey, you know, you should just go do this thing. They're not following you. The pastor's not seeing it. He's not moving fast enough. And by the way, for all of the folks that, are here that, 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 that have struggled with me because I just haven't moved fast enough and I haven't done enough and things just aren't going anywhere, I apologize. I'm so sorry. But the group on the other side that's really angry with me because we've moved too fast and we've done too many things and all that stuff... <laughs> I'm working in between the two, okay? (laughs) 
But see, that's why God laid on my heart today. Not my will or your will. God's will be done. And if it hadn't happened fast enough for you, well, God's will. And if it's going too slow or too fast, well, God's will. You've got to trust and you've got to believe that the leadership that God has laid a vision on and the way that God has spoken to me and spoken to the leaders that I meet with every single week and talk to and, and, and minister with and share with and pray with, you have to trust that the vision that God has laid on the leadership of this church is the vision for all of us. Not two or three of the 15 factions, but all of us. Not saying we have 15, I'm being colloquial. The next thing that the enemy wants is offenses. This world is fraught with offenses. Read the book of Matthew and you can read tons and tons and tons about offenses. The enemy wants you to be offended. You know how you're offended? You know how it's easy for me to be offended? It's easy for me to be offended when I've got an idea of how I think things should operate and I have an agenda in my mind that is strictly my idea and it doesn't go the way that I wanted it to go and therefore it becomes an offense. Now, there's two kinds of offenses that you can experience. One of them is an offense where you believe that you've been hurt or you've been offended against, and then there's another kind of offense where you flat out have. But but what the enemy wants is for you to operate on both in the worst possible way, to take on that offense and hide back, take pride and your offense and hide back and don't say anything to anybody, throw cold shoulders at people, throw dirty looks at people, refuse to go to meetings, refuse to go to different things, refuse to be a part of the body. That's disunity. Remember, that's the whole concept of this section. The enemy wants offenses in the church. And what we need to be willing to do is speak out. Speak out to one another. Keep the communication open and speak freely and honestly. There's ways to do that, by the way. There's ways to do that without creating a a big ruckus. I can go to Sister Hickey here and I can say, Sister Hickey, I'm very concerned because I love our relationship so much, but there's something that you said with your hands. <laughs> that really, it really just kind of knocked me off my game. And I, I don't know what you meant by it. I don't understand why it's happening, but I, I really need to talk to you about it because I love you and your relationship is very important to me. And then you can talk it out. There's ways to do this. But see, the enemy would rather you climb into your cave, hold on to your offense, get self-righteous about it, and say, she's a bad person. They're bad. They did me wrong. If you feel like that today, the enemy's working in your, in your operation. If anybody took enough offenses on their lives and did nothing about it, it was Jesus Christ himself. But what, what would he do? He would stand there and take offense after offense after offense. And he would simply say, it is written. It is written. And he would quote scripture. Sometimes he wouldn't say anything at all. But the enemy wants us to be offended about everything. It comes from having an agenda. It comes from my will. This is my will that I want to happen in this situation. I don't believe that you're doing it good enough. I don't believe that you did this the right way. And maybe that's true. People make mistakes, but my goodness, four months is slightly shorter than four decades. But they want to be offended. And with offense comes self-righteousness and separation and broken communication and disunity. And when that happens, nothing happens. Winston Churchill once said that progress will never continue if you don't stop throwing stones at every barking dog that comes by. Don't stop to throw stones at every barking dog. Don't... don't, don't attack every issue that comes at you. Don't, don't feel like that's the war that you got to fight today. Sometimes the dogs are just going to bark. And you know what? If the dogs learn to just deal with things a little bit more quietly and a little less aggressively, maybe their voice would be heard. But I can tell you for one, I'm going to stop stopping to throw stones at the dogs that are barking and I'm going to keep my vision moving forward because every day that I pray about this, every day that I seek God's will in this situation, every single day without fail since installation, I say that to God every single morning I give it to him and he says the same thing to me. Just keep moving forward. The book of John chapter 13 and 35 says, your love for one another will provide to the world, this is ESV, provide to the world that you are my disciples. You know when we're going to start to grow? When there's unity. 
when we're loving one another, when we can share a problem with one another without tearing each other's heads off at the ankles, when we can deal with things, when we can go up to Sister Hickey and say, hey, I got a problem that really concerns me, or whoever it is. I don't have a problem with Sister Hickey. That she's just, she was just handy. I love Sister Hickey. She's my buddy. Romans chapter 12, 16 through 18 says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Isn't that beautiful? That's the ESV version, Romans 12, 16 through 18. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 10, Paul told the Corinthians, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Can you do that? Can you let go of the idea that's carved into your piece of marble? That's, this is exactly how this is supposed to go. And if Cordell's not doing it or this leader's not doing it, something's wrong, and I got a problem with that. It's not to say that people aren't making mistakes and can't learn. I have a lot to learn. Four months is just a little bit less than four decades. Of course we have a place to learn, but it can be done in love and harmony. And that's what God wants from us in 2020. Peace and harmony and kindness and love. But the enemy wants offenses and broken communication and disunity. Finally, two verses, and I'm closing. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12. Paul said this to the Philippians. He said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. They were good when Paul was there, but he's saying, Look, I'm not there anymore. You need to continue this way. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now look at verse 14. It says this. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. What good would we be to people who came in from the outside if we looked like just like the people who were on the outside? We can't do that, folks. We can't let that culture slip in here. You can stand with me this morning. Work out your own salvation. Doesn't doesn't mean you create your salvation. That's through God, and you know that. I'm speaking to the choir today. Work out your own salvation. Just focus on the sty that's in your eye. Focus on the things that you need to improve and perfect. It's your salvation. It's the will of God. Not your will, but his be done. Acts chapter 2 and 39 and 40. Maybe you're familiar with this verse. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But look at verse 40 when it says, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Folks, it's our job to focus on us and what we need to do to get better for God. Not our will, not focus on our agenda or what it is that we think should be done that the other person is doing wrong or the other way it should be run or the way this church should go or what that case is, but it's our job to work on our salvation. It's our job in fear and trembling to make sure that we're doing everything we can according to the will of God. Not your will, but his be done. And finally, I will say this for 2020. We need participants in the kingdom of God. More participants and more participation. Don't just attend your church. Love your church. Serve. Give. Invite. Worship. Post. Join. Engage. Participate. Be active. 
Pray on the pray nights. Serve on the serve nights. Worship on the worship nights. Show up when somebody else's deal is going on. Maybe you're not part of student ministries, but if they're putting something on and they're trying to win souls and you sit at home and say, well, I'm not part of student ministries. I'm not going to do that because it doesn't mean anything to me. That's your will. And I'm saying to you today that not your will, but his be done. Because his will is that this church and everything that you've been given is for the purpose to seek and to save that which is lost. And if we don't get it down in our souls, folks, if you don't just get it down in who you are, that it's our job to be desperately, desperately concerned about every soul that walks in this building. Your soul is in danger. And you've got to know that. You've got to understand. I don't have enough time to read you the scriptures that get into that exact concept. You've got to know that our purpose is singular. And the need is great to seek and to save that which is lost. This altar is open this morning. We've got a job to do for 2020. And we need to be in unity. From unity to outreach. In Jesus' name, Lord, we're thankful, God. What a privilege to serve in your kingdom, Lord. God, that we would even have the privilege to have your spirit within us. Lord, don't, don't let us be selfish. Don't let us be complacent, Lord. Don't let us put that Holy Ghost in our back pocket and sit on it and just decide that we're saved and we've got everything we need. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.